Curcumin is the bioactive ingredient found in the popular spice turmeric. Medical science is now backing up many of the traditional health claims made about turmeric and the compounds it contains. Conditions such as arthritis, high cholesterol, exercise recovery, and even depression all have a growing positive evidence base of research behind them. Now, a new research review has looked at the evidence for curcumin supplementation in treating some of the symptoms of PCOS. In this podcast, I will give an overview on the use of curcumin in different conditions and explain how it may be effective in PCS as well. Turmeric is a spice belonging to the same family as ginger that has been used in traditional cooking for thousands of years. There is a lot of interest in the potential health benefits of turmeric, and for that, it is the primary bioactive substance in the spice, called curcumin, that gets most of the attention. Curcumin is a yellow pigment, so this is the secret source responsible for the colour of turmeric. Curcumin is a polyphenol with anti-inflammatory properties. But while curcumin is all you seem to hear about, there are plenty of other compounds belonging to the wider family of curcuminoids that could also be beneficial. Now, most over-the-counter supplements you'll find on the shelf have curcumin as their main ingredient, as it can be extracted from turmeric to give much higher potency doses than you would find in native turmeric. But curcumin is absorbed poorly. Hence the myriad of different formulations that have been created to improve its bioavailability. A common coagent to help curcumin absorption is piperine, which is a bioactive compound found in black pepper. Then there are a whole bunch of proprietary formulations that combine the curcumin with lipids and other chemical agents, each touted by the manufacturer with fancy looking graphs for how much more bioavailable their formulation is compared to their competitors. It's a curcumin arms race. Some of the popular proprietary curcumin formulations you'll find in supplements go under the trademark of BCM95, Curcuin, Mariva, or Longvita. But there are a bunch of others too. Now, back in podcast episode 73, I did a detailed rundown on the evidence for using curcumin supplementations in a variety of health conditions. And the evidence actually looked really promising. So for the full overview, dip back into episode 73 to get the full brief. But the summary is, there was a good deal of evidence to show that curcumin supplementation may offer benefits in inflammatory conditions such as osteoarthritis, as well as helping in lowering blood lipids, recovery after sport, and even perhaps offering some benefit in depression. There are also some other growing areas of interest that curcumin may have a role to help with. Cognitive decline and Alzheimer's disease, colorectal cancer and ulcerative colitis all come up as being areas that the research is still in an early stage, but some promising results are being seen. So now onto the main topic of today's podcast, and that's on the potential use of curcumin in treating PCOS. PCOS is a health problem that can affect a woman's menstrual cycle, fertility, hormones, insulin production, body weight, heart, blood vessels, and even appearance. 
The condition is now one of the most common endocrine problems seen in women of childbearing age, affecting between 6 and 10% of women in this group. While the causes of PCOS are not clear, it can be aggravated by poor diet, obesity, and physical inactivity. PCOS is a disease where insulin resistance lies at the heart of many of the problems. So not surprisingly, PCOS is a major risk factor for developing type 2 diabetes and heart disease. By the age of 40, almost half of all women with PCOS will develop type 2 diabetes or a condition of prediabetes, such as impaired glucose tolerance. High levels of insulin precede many of the health problems in PCOS, and it is thought that insulin acts on the ovaries to disrupt the normal reproductive cycle. This results in the eggs not developing properly, and undeveloped eggs in the ovary are seen as cysts on an ultrasound, and also the eggs not being released from the ovary, as would normally occur during ovulation. This also means that ovulation either does not take place or the cycles are much longer than the expected 28 days. Because of the many metabolic effects seen in PCOS, especially insulin resistance and elevated lipids, researchers have been exploring for some time if curcumin supplementation could be a good adjunct treatment because of its effect on inflammation, blood lipids and glycemic control. So what do the available clinical trials have to say. In a just-published systematic review and meta-analyses, which I'll link to in the show notes, five randomized controlled trials involving almost 300 women examine the effects of curcumin supplementation compared to either placebo or the common medication metformin, which is used to treat insulin resistance. And the results look pretty good. Those taking curcumin showed better glycemic control with lower fasting glucose, lower insulin levels, and less insulin resistance. Their blood lipids were also improved with lower cholesterol readings. And this benefit was fairly consistent across the trials. While the number of studies and women included was fairly small, the results are in agreement with the wider research field for curcumin that it appears to have some real metabolic effects. And for PCOS, a benefit for curcumin is thought to be by reducing luteinizing hormone, as well as helping to induce ovulation, decreasing insulin resistance, improving body weight, and correcting lipid abnormalities. What was the type and dose of curcumin used in the trials? Well, doses range from 80 milligrams once per day up to 500 milligrams three times per day. And different types of formulations were used. Some of the formulations claim to be more bioavailable than others. But for anyone who has dipped their toe in the curcumin supplement market, you would be aware that it is a marketing's arms race between different manufacturers in making claims about the bioavailability of their proprietary supplement. So let's wrap all this up. The list of potential benefits of supplemental curcumin seems to be quite broad and is actually supported by some pretty good evidence. So again, check out my previous podcast, episode 73 on turmeric, to get the full overview. And now, it looks like there could just be a use case for curcumin in PCOS2. As for what form of supplemental curcumin is best, there are so many on the market that I would suggest trialing several types, either with piperine 
which is from black pepper, or using a proprietary form that is solubilized to curcumin in a lipid. And I've already mentioned some of the common brand names that can appear on an ingredient list earlier in this podcast. And if you don't feel that one form of curcumin is benefiting you, then you can always trial another. So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either in the app you're listening to this podcast on, if it supports it, or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com.au and click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues, or maybe even leave a review. This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win for credible, evidence-based nutrition messages while helping to dilute out the crazy and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow, and you've been listening to Thinking Nutrition. Thinking Nutrition.